that was the whole reason I even added the photography into my book because I'm like so many people who may enjoy my work are never going to buy a poetry book like they're not they're not even going to think about buying a poetry book because it's not who they are and it's yeah it's very put into this niche and it's like I don't know people have this idea in their head of who poets are and what poetry is for and who it's for and I'm like no it's not about that so yeah let's make more art for everybody <laughs> this is a special episode of like a real book club a podcast from rebel Minlet. I'm Jerrine the person you just heard in the intro is moon moon is the perfect example of one of the reasons I love rebel Minlet. I've been able to meet incredible people who are creating an inspiring change in the way we see literary art. Everyone is so intentional and deliberate in what they try to do. There's this sense of self-awareness and a need to always be improving. And Moon is one of those people. Moon is a multidisciplinary artist who's releasing their poetry anthology later this year. The anthology is a collection of poems in response to queerness here in Jamaica. But it's not just an anthology of poetry. Moon has traveled across Jamaica to interview many people about what it means to be queer here on the island and has chosen to write a response to these interviews in the form of poetry. And as you can tell from the introduction, it's going to be a poetry book that's unlike any other. So my name is Moon. I'm a multidisciplinary creative. I'm non-binary. And I started writing my first book last year. But it's a collection of poems. So it's actually some of the poems are older than last year, but I started putting it together last year. I think my first interactions with art, I'd have to attribute to my mother and her family, because she comes from a very creative and musically and visually creative family. So she paints and draws and plays multiple instruments and sings. And my grandparents sing and their siblings sing and everybody. So I was always around art and music. And so I, I don't remember any part of my life not including that. I feel like they probably would have been surprised if I wasn't artistically inclined in some way just because it's been surrounding me it's it's just been a part of my life I've always been an artist I think I knew from I was very young I used to tell people when I was a kid I was going to be a famous musician I don't really care for fame anymore but you know that was um (laughs) that was it for me so I've always known that art is my life actually have songs written down from when I was seven and when I look back at the lyrics, even though I would never perform them now, (laughs) they've always touched on um, exploration of self and different spiritual aspects, you know? So I I spent a lot of time outside as a kid and just observing animals and plants and just being in nature. And I think that has always informed and inspired me in a lot of ways and just thinking about my own existence. So those are definitely recurring themes. They have expanded into more specifically spiritual topics where I wouldn't have had the words for those things as a child, but um, it's always continued. And then love, you know, we write about relationships, love, loss, pain, joy. Um, So it's just the human existence and all its different um, intricacies. 
is taking. Let them wash away my fears. Let them wash away the old me. The old me. project actually began as a deeper exploration of self. So I, I had visited my grandmother, who is in her 90s, January of last year. I hadn't seen her for years. She lives very far. And in listening to her stories, and she has Alzheimer's, mind you. So she repeated a lot of the same stories over and over again, but there were always different elements coming up. And I started recording them. And I started just writing things down and I was looking at myself and looking at my heritage being, you know, so diverse and just thinking about all the different avenues all of my ancestors took to get to me, you know, and all the things that make up who I am, where the parts of who I am come from them and what has been informed by my own um, specific experiences. So I started writing all of those things down and I created a project called Identity where I wanted to um, just speak to other mixed persons, especially of Jamaican or other Caribbean heritage because I think we have a very, I mean, I can't speak for all the other islands, but I know Jamaicans are very much like, if you're not born here, you're not Jamaican, you know, in a lot of ways. And then I just always felt like I was floating between identities, between places and I, I didn't have any grounding in who I was and so I started putting together this this thing and it was more for my own healing. I have never known how to bring peace to the war in my flesh. Between spirit and blood, my first breath the cry of an immigrant who refused to inherit the walls built by their ancestors. 
sharp of tongue, kept dumb by fear, consumed by the fury of injustices inflicted for this skin that bears no name. For the birthplace of my parents, for the rhythm in my hips, for the lilt in my words that belongs to nowhere, but still gives me away as an outsider. This fury over crimes of the past, over this enduring patience and ability to empathize with the oppressors and the oppressed. This understanding of humanity, the kindness and the pain often feels like a curse. How does one born of such cruelty stay soft amidst the boulders that threaten to crush whatever gentleness remains? How does one find peace? when the soul was born fragmented, torn by a war that lives in the DNA of my bones, contradicted by circumstance and prayers for the ability to undo the hurt they caused, wondering how I came to belong to a family where my very existence sometimes feels like a stain on the brand new sofa that you can never quite cover up or forget. I ask these things, yet here I am. Still watering cracks in the concrete, waiting for roses but only finding thorns as I blindly fumble for one more reason to try again. Do they know the ways I bleed for them, the rawness of my skin, as I suffer to both kill and defend the sins and love of my kin? The queer mentorship opportunity came up and I already had some poems that were touching on being queer about my coming out at 25, you know, and what it took for me to get there and just all of those things. And so I applied for the mentorship and created a branch of the identity project that would specifically explore queerness in Jamaica. So that was what led me here. And that project started last September. We've had some delays due to COVID, but it's been about a year in the works now. I feel like the book's going to end up being put into sections. The first part of it is definitely going to be about, or it, it is about my first relationship with a woman. And not just the relationship itself, but what I was learning and experiencing within myself through that relationship. So it is still, you know, a journey of self-exploration. The idea to use the photos came from looking at my Instagram feed and realizing that a lot of the poetry I had written in the past two or three years at the time had come from inspirational photos. So I would feel like posting a photo on Instagram and in posting the photo, all of a sudden this poem would start pouring out um, and I wouldn't have the intention to write a poem beforehand. So I said, okay, you know, maybe I can turn this into a thing. I don't necessarily want to keep all these pictures on the internet forever, but I like what I've been writing. Between the lines... Hanging somewhere in the polarities lies the truth. I am more than my yesterdays and tomorrows. I am more than this present moment. Ever-changing, defying your rules. I am unmet and surpassed expectations. I am yin and yang, the light and dark sides of the moon. 
the obvious and the mystery, I am undefined. So when I expanded it beyond just exploring myself, I began asking persons if I could interview them, hear about their experiences being queer in Jamaica and some persons who have left Jamaica and traveled abroad. And I asked them if I could take photos. The, the newer poems are very, they're a combination of inspiration from the photos I take mixed with the information that came from the interviews. And so I'm taking the stories of queer Jamaicans and turning them into poetry and then also presenting us in a way that documents who we are at this time. So who we are from 2019 to 2020, showing people that we exist, showing people that we look like everyday people, you know. There's a very Americanized view of queerness that I've discovered in interviewing non-queer persons here where they don't really see queer Jamaicans as something that even exists, you know. So I want to show people who we are. I want us to remember who we are. And I'm hoping that, you know, it's going to become some kind of a timepiece, even if it doesn't get a lot of publicity right now, that someday we'll be able to look back and say this was a portion of the queer community in Jamaica in 2020. And I think that's cool. So I'm, I'm excited about putting all of it together. The first thing I realized when I picked up the pen was that I couldn't put it down. All the years spent in silence had written a thousand tales that could be award-winning movies if I let them. The stuff of history books, of battles won and lost, of courage and fear, of love and heartache. That mine was the kind of story people name their children after. The kind that sends shivers down your spine, makes your palms sweat, your heart race, your blood rush. The kind that makes tears fall, not in sadness, but in unity. The kind of me too that causes us to join hands in prayer, in thanks, in love. Because we are stronger together, because we have more in common than they will ever have to separate us. To lift our voices in song, beat the drums of war, to march, to dance, to shout, to hold each other just five seconds longer, to kiss because why shouldn't we? to live, because that's all we're really here for. It's, it's such a mix of emotions. I can say it was easier to approach queer people to interview than it was to do the non-queer interviews. Just because I had never gone up to a stranger and said, hey, you know, let's talk about homosexuality in Jamaica and let's talk about the buggery law. And, you know, by the way, I'm a lesbian. And just, <laughs> you know, not knowing how people are going to receive that. Um, but it's been such a beautiful process. And I've had some people be hesitant. I've had people refuse to be interviewed, but I haven't experienced any violence or negativity. And I'm grateful for that. I've had 
very open and honest and raw conversations. I've had people straight up tell me they're homophobic and don't agree with my existence, but still sit down and reason with me for a whole hour. And I think that's important. And I, I applaud them for being able to sit in front of something that goes against everything they believe in and still have a form of respect for me, you know? Like they were telling me, I don't agree with what you do and I don't agree with who you are, but I'm willing to hear you out. Let's talk. And that is important. I think it is a big part of what is going to shift how Jamaica sees and receives us. I think I underestimated the heaviness of this project. There was a day I started researching um, the specific laws, like to find out the exact language of it, and then just seeing how many cases we had of asylum and what led the people to seek asylum. And I just started bawling. I just, I couldn't stop crying. I like, I sat on the floor just crying for like a, at least an hour because I just felt the weight of all of these, of all of the pain that people are experiencing, you know? And it felt like mine for a minute and that was heavy. And so I had to stop. And a lot of the, a lot of the pause in putting this together has come from that, from just feeling the weight of everything and then doubting my ability to do it justice. Um, feeling like this project is, is not big enough to, to help anybody in some ways, but knowing that we have to start somewhere anyway. So yeah, it's, it's a very emotional piece. It's a, it's a very emotional piece of work. For all the unsung kings and queens, the unnamed royalty in between, whose voices are no longer with us, I wish I could unwrite history for you until it becomes ours. Wish I could unwrite the laws that left you vulnerable, the ones that proclaimed freedom and equality for all, yet left you for dead. I wish I could untie the nooses, unhang the bodies that swayed like strange fruit, Unfly the bullets that dared to halt a trans woman's hips in heels or shatter the confidence of black and brown queer boys like bones broken after an unsolicited kiss. Because it's easier to push love away than admit it was the first time he'd felt alive. I want to unhang the doors that close in our faces, all because we dream and breathe in color, because we color in and outside the lines, because our lines, I mean, our lives have never been straight enough for their narrow minds to follow. Blurred, curved like breast against breast, how could her breath ever be a sin? I wish we could unviolate everybody who ever suffered the rod of correction. But there is nothing incorrect about our orientation, and rape has never, will never be the solution. I wish the world was less uncomfortable with ambiguity, rather than othering those with the audacity to be uncategorizable. And when they get the math, when they understand that they are one, being expressed multiplicity, simplicity, complexity, in motion, gender, fluid as the ocean, blood rivers running through every human being, bending, bonding, branding us all as sacred. 
when they see our divinity irrefutable, undeniable, maybe then we will know peace. For after all, didn't God make promises with rainbows? I know we have a lot of stories of pain, of families rejecting us, but there have also been stories of families being accepting and welcoming from the get-go. And that, that is what I want to hear more of as well. The stories of pain definitely need to be told, you know, because that's part of our healing. But I think it's encouraging to know that there are families in Jamaica who don't follow the globally perpetuated stigma that we're the most homophobic country in the world. I'm doing the work because I want us to be able to leave our house, our houses without being in fear for our lives, without being in fear of being sexually harassed or raped or anything. I just want us to be able to live. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up this first book. I, I want to put the book out this year. I think it's important and vital that 2020 finishes with this project being put out in whatever, you know, at least in some form. I didn't realize how much it would take from me or require of me when I first set out to do it. Um, you know, so I'm trying to be gentle with myself also and give myself the room to pause when I need to. It's a lot, but I'm doing it and I'm, I'm proud of that. This has been a special episode of Like a Real Book Club, a podcast from Rebel Medlet. This episode was produced with sponsorship from the Catsable Arts Grant and from our partners at the American Friends of Jamaica, Kingston Creative, Fresh Milk Barbados, and of course you, our patrons.